Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne. And I'm Ilaria. And today we are chatting with Claire Holt. You guys may know her from The Vampire Diaries. You may know her from her epic Instagram. You may know her from any number of ways. But today we're chatting with her about her journey to motherhood, to her beautiful almost one-year-old son, James, and how she's found life as a new mom, how she's navigated work, how she's navigated marriage, how she's navigated self-care and um, getting to know Claire herself <laughs> pre, pre and post um, motherhood. Hey, so listen to Claire. Say hi. Hi. Yeah, that's me. I'm Ilaria and I'm here too. And enjoy. <laughs> this is a fact. So Claire, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Claire Holt. I am 31 years old from Brisbane, Australia. Uh, I moved to the States 11 years ago now um, to pursue an acting career, which I've been really fortunate to have had for the last 10-ish years or 11 years. Now I have my son. He's uh, a beautiful almost one-year-old, so I haven't been doing so much of that lately. But um, motherhood is is just as thrilling, so... That's me. Your son is one now? Yeah. It's emotional, no? When they hit a year? It's just such an overwhelming feeling because I truly had no idea about parenthood. I knew nothing. I thought growing up, I always wanted a big family and, you know, I love kids and I have 45 first cousins. My dad's one of 10. So I grew up in this enormous family. Um, And then I had a child of my own and I realized how incredibly unprepared I was and how I knew nothing and I had to just learn this entirely new version of myself and it it so to have made it to almost a year is I just I can't believe it it's amazing and gratifying and awesome and no I'm just I'm so excited that I've I've kept him alive because I don't think that's a small feat and I didn't realize that either it's funny growing up with a big family you kind of assume because you know you're babysitting for cousins and nephews and nieces and things and you assume that you know what goes into it but the reality of being the backstop like you at all the buck stops with you you are mom it's It's all on you yeah it's it's pretty serious and that is overwhelming I remember I used to go on vacations and see you like parents running around after their kids by the pool and like I'd be like poor guy probably use a margarita but I didn't realize every minute you're just like watching them to make sure that they don't grab something or like pick something tiny up off the floor or it's non-stop you know what's amazing I think the next I think the next year is one of the most special years I mean the first it's all wonderful but I just love like my son right now my baby is 22 two months, I think almost 21, 22 months. Mm -hmm. He's just so fun because they like start to talk and like they have such personality and they like tell you things and like, and they're just delicious, but they're still cute. So like when they do bad things, you like don't really get mad. Once they hit two, you start getting mad. (laughs) I never thought I would, but like you do start getting mad sometimes. Yeah, I know. What's his name, by the way? James. Before you had James, were you super chill and now you're very like neurotic? Were you the person who like researched everything and now you're kind of like loosey-goosey go with the flow? Have you surprised yourself at all? I did so much preparation for pregnancy and that was my thing. Like I was so anxious throughout my pregnancy and I just wanted to make sure that everything was okay and I was desperate to get him on the outside. Like I just felt like, okay, if he's outside, then 
I just have a chance and I can control the situation. Of course, like you control nothing when they're on the outside. <laughs> yeah. and, and so that I, I think, you know, I had dealt with anxiety throughout my life a lot, but sort of the last five or so years, I'd been really great, really chill. Like I have great coping skills for, for any time that that pops up. Um, but I didn't realize how much I would suffer from it after I had him and how overwhelmed I would feel because, you know, it's such a massive undertaking and, and to be a good parent or to do your best to be a good parent, it requires a lot. And I just didn't realize how much it would take out of me. Um, especially right after he was born, I was so anxious about him suffocating and the whole, I would like run my hand around his bassinet, you know, all the, to make sure his face wasn't touching anything. And I couldn't sleep because I had to watch that he was breathing. And that was something I just didn't anticipate. And I didn't expect to be, you know, even to the point where it was clearly so ingrained in my brain that I would wake up in the night and I would grab my husband's face and rip it off the pillow because I thought that he was like suffocating as well. It was really overwhelming for me. And so I think all, I guess the, the combination of the hormones and, and being a new parent, being so overwhelmed and feeling like woefully underprepared, um, that surprised me. I didn't realize how much the anxiety would impact me and how I felt in those first few months. I've definitely gotten so much better and I'm, I like to think I'm a bit more of a chill parent now, uh, but it's still tough. I, I have to really consciously work to not get overwhelmed by things, especially when he's like putting everything in his mouth and he's falling over and, you know, I can't watch him every minute of every day all the time. You know, I have totally. to rely on the help of other people as well. So it's, uh, that's been surprising to me, I think. What are some of the, um, if you, if you're game to share, what are some of the coping mechanisms you've used with the, with anxiety, like pre and post baby? Because I think that they really carry over, I'm sure. For sure. Well, I'm really fortunate that I have an amazing therapist and I talk to her every week. And a lot of the time, especially in the beginning, I would talk to her about what my anxieties were. And she would either say, that's really normal. And almost every parent that I speak to a new mother goes through that. And that would make me feel a little more relaxed about it. Or she would say, that's not that normal, actually. And I think maybe you're overdoing it a little bit or, or your mind's running away. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about why you're afraid. And so every time I sort of start to feel like I'm going down a path like that, I really do try and stop those thoughts as they're happening. And then I just have a conversation with myself about what the reality of the situation is. And, you know, I can only do my best. I can make sure that he's safe in every way possible. I can, you know, make sure that the, the house is baby proof and I can do everything I can. But, you know, at the end of the day, I can't control absolutely everything in life. So it's it's really about like just trying to have a conversation with myself and stop the spiral that sometimes happens totally um, with the anxiety. But, you know, I'm not perfect. I still <laughs> I still lose it sometimes. And But I'm I really do actively try to to stay on top of it for his sake as well. I don't want him to feel like he's got nervous. this helicopter parent that's hovering and nervous. Like I want him to be able to explore and and not not be afraid that I'm going to intervene every time. And so I'm, I'm working on it. I hate how um, a lot of new moms are kind of shamed a little bit of being like, oh, you're so overprotective kind of thing. And be like, yeah, because right. I haven't lived it yet. And you know what? You were probably 100%. like that when you had your baby for the first time. And sure, as it go, I mean, we both have four. I still get nervous about some things. And when I have a baby, for the first, like the new baby, I still get like the same kind of nervous. And I'm on top of it because I care. But I've learned sure. to like kind of get into the groove. But like anybody who says that whole thing about like new new moms of being like, you know, oh, my God, that's like, you know, she's like Neurotic sterilizing everything. And- You're like, you know what? It's helping my process and I'm not hurting anybody. So don't shame me. 
Yeah. And, and I don't know any other way. I've never had any other experience. Exactly. I'm just doing what I'm trying to do to keep my child safe and mentally not have a breakdown because I was on the verge of it a lot in the beginning. Um, but I think, you know, going forward now, I understand why people say that. And, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. And you realize, okay, they're, you know, they're pretty strong yeah. and you know they've got lots of padding and they're resilient, yes. but you just don't freaking know, know that. And it's, it's not fair to make someone feel bad because they're concerned or worried about keeping something that they love safe. Well, it's one of those very rare instances in life where you have to be an expert right away. Like there's no trial yeah. period. It's like, oh, you can, here's a practice, baby, you know, take it back. Totally. Um, and I think that that's really unnerving, especially for people who are used to life where you know how to succeed, like in theory, like you know how to study or you know how to learn something or you know how to, there's a manual, there's a, there's someone who can teach you. And that's, you, you know, you do, and that's part of why I miss the, you know, and maybe it's fantasized or romanticized or whatever, but I, I do miss what I have what I assume raising children in community would have been like, because I do think you learn by watching and you right. feel more comfortable. For sure. And even what you just said that like some of your fears or things that you were giving you anxiety were totally normal. And like everyone feels these things and some were not. Mm -hmm. And I think you feel way more comfortable uh, with your own emotions when you are able to witness them happening in other people all the time too. Um, Completely. You know, I, I do. I just, I miss some, I feel like sometimes we raise our kids in isolation as much as we like try to get them to classes and things like that. It's not the same as, you know, being, being in the Yeah. Midst. And I'm the first of my siblings to have a child. So same. I didn't, and I don't, I have some friends who have children, but I don't have a, a lot so I felt like quite isolated uh -huh. in that process. And that was tough for me too. Like, thankfully I had my, my mom who moved in with us when my son was born and that oh, really helped awesome. as well. But, you know, she had had a child 30 years ago. So I, I don't think everything was completely fresh in her mind. Like it would have been if, you know, she's subsequently been so unbelievable and I'm so grateful to have had her. And that's like an amazing thing to have family around when you have a new baby. But at the beginning, it was it was a bit of a shock for all of us, I think. You grew up in Australia. Is that right? I did. Yes. Listeners of this podcast will have heard before that I have like a mild obsession with Australian <laughs> mothers. I don't know why I have this like fixation. The ones that I the ones that I seem to be around or have seen feel so fun, yourself included, feel so like fun and vibrant and like they really they really held on to themselves even while introducing this new element to their identity of being moms, mums, mamas, and I think mums. And, um, but I'm curious if you think back to like the way you were raised or the things that you did as an early kid that either you're looking forward to doing with James or you're going to do differently with James. Like, is there, are there any differences you see between Australian parenting and American parenting? I remember so clearly that I just spent so much time outside. And because I'm one of four, but um, because I had so many cousins around, I, I have such visceral memories of camping and, you know, leaving the house in the morning and not coming back to the afternoon. And of course now as like a parent, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would be so anxious if my kid just went out all day. But I think there was such a beautiful thing um, that was just so beautiful to be able to grow up like that and um, feel that freedom. And I think that I would love to somehow be able to give my son that experience. I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to be possible. Um, I hope to give him siblings because I think that that's a really nice thing to have. Um, but I, I definitely feel like there was this relaxed, laid back attitude um, to parenting and just relationships in general that I feel like I've carried with me into the United States and 
um, it's just, I, I don't know why. It, it just felt simpler, I suppose. Um, and maybe that's also because it was 30 years ago and it was times were different. Um, but I really do feel like we felt safe there. You know, a large part of that, I think, was that there weren't guns around and, you know, we, it was a safe environment for us. And um, so that was part of it. It's a different world now. Uh, but it certainly was like an incredible place to grow up. And I really hope that I can, I took my son back actually over, over the Christmas holiday and it was just so nice to be at the beach with him and give him that experience yeah. of, of where I grew up. You have been very open about your um, fertility journey. Um, and I yes. know that you're connected with the AVA b- bracelet. So I would love, yes. can you tell us about your fertility journey as much as you want to, I want to talk about that. And then I'd love to to hear this about the AVA bracelet. Yeah. So, so basically uh, when I met my husband, we very quickly decided that we wanted to have kids together um, within a few months, really, which now looking back, it seems a little crazy, but it worked <laughs> out and we're still so happy. And, and I couldn't imagine anyone else as the father of my, my baby. Um, but I hadn't really ever thought about my fertility. I had gone on birth control um, at 16 and I'd been on birth control the entire time. I'd had a really good experience with it. I'd never had any bad periods or anything. So I just thought, well, this will be fine. I'll come off it and I'll get pregnant. Um, I guess you spend so long or so many years worrying about that happening and, and, you know, worrying that it's going to be so, so easy to get pregnant. You have to be so careful. And in reality, it's really not the case for a lot of people. And so when I came off birth control, um, it took me maybe six months or so to get my period back, um, which I didn't expect, but, you know, I heard subsequently that that was really normal. And then I got pregnant on the second cycle back. So I got pregnant really quickly. And of course we were so thrilled. And I just, remember like shaking, looking at the test, being like, this is it. I get to, you know, I get to be a mom. This is what I've always wanted. And, you know, I guess we got to about six weeks and I went to my gynecologist and had an early scan and everything looked really good. And, um, there was no cause of concern. We had a heartbeat. And so I left feeling jubilant and, you know, I'm never, it's definitely not going to be me who has the experience of miscarriage. I know that my mother had had to, but you know, I have a heartbeat. The baby's, I'm healthy. My husband's healthy. There's, there's no way. And then we went to another doctor. Um, my original gynecologist didn't actually deliver babies. And so I went to another doctor when I was eight weeks pregnant, um, someone, an OB I was trying out. And when we had the scan, he, uh, the baby was measuring small. So the baby had only grown to six weeks, six days or something at eight weeks. And it, the heartbeat wasn't that strong. And it was the first time I thought that maybe something wasn't right. And, and it was absolutely devastating because to be fair, he was quite flippant about it. And I understand now that that's because you see, he see it, sees it every day. Like there, there are so many women that come in and go through this, but for me, I had no experience. So what he said to me was, yeah, it could go either way. I wouldn't put it on Facebook. And for a new- wow potentially new parent, someone who's never had this experience before, someone who's not at all familiar with how this works. That was just crushing to me. And I had so many questions and it was a Friday afternoon and I left there feeling like really overwhelmed. And and I remember calling my original gynecologist and saying, I don't know. He told me that there might be something wrong, but you know, I'm not sure what to do. He said, I just have to come back in two weeks. Like I, have to, I just have to wait. Like, is that what you do? You just sit around and wait and wonder if your baby's alive or not? Like, how do you handle that? And she said, come in, we'll do another scan. I'll, we'll, we'll check everything out. So I went back in that Monday to her and 
it had grown another day or so, like maybe uh, seven weeks. And she said, that's okay. Sometimes this happens. There's still a heartbeat there. Let's be positive. Um, there's, you know, really nothing to do either way at this point. So let's just be really hopeful, you know, and, and do whatever you need to do to get yourself through. And then you can come back and we'll do some genetic testing. So I went back two weeks later, um, to do the genetic testing and it was my husband's birthday. And so at this point I was technically like 10 or 11 weeks, but measuring smaller. And, um, we went into the room and she went to do the scan and there was no heartbeat. And I was just like, I can't even describe how crushing that feeling was. Um, I felt so guilty. I felt like it was my fault that I'd done this. I felt like I should have seen signs. And maybe if I'd have seen signs that something was going wrong physically, I could have done something. Um, I just, it was the most overwhelming feeling I've ever had. And I've experienced loss in my life. I've you know, lost people very close to me. And this felt as significant, if not more significant. And after that experience, I remember going home and just like, I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't, a lot of my family were in town actually. And, um, I just, I wanted to isolate myself. And I know that immediately I started Googling and looking for other women who'd had this experience and trying to find blogs or Facebook posts or anything so that I could see, okay, I'm, I feel so depressed. I've never felt anything like this in my life. What is wrong? And I really found this amazing, open, vulnerable community of women online who shared their experience. And it just made me feel so much less alone in that. And so I decided that when I felt ready, and it wasn't so much later, it was maybe 10 days after my miscarriage, after my DNC, um, that I would share my experience. And I was terrified to do it because I was worried that people were going to think I was doing it for attention or that they were gonna say that I did something wrong. Or I, I just, when you put something out there for the entire world to potentially criticize, it's a, it's a frightening thing. And so I shared my experience and I shared that I had a miscarriage and the support I got was just so insanely overwhelming. I, I To this day, I, I think it really helped me to heal and move on from the experience. Um, I, I couldn't believe the number of women, but also men uh, who, who replied to me and told me about their wife's experience or their partner or sister, um, someone they knew. Uh, and, and there were so many women who were just so open and said, you know, I've had two, I've had three, this is my story. And it gave me hope because I saw that so many people had their babies after that. And I think that's something that you're really frightened of when you have a miscarriage before you've ever had children. You think maybe I'll never get to have any, maybe this is my story and maybe this is my reality and I'm never going to be able to be a mother. So the fact that I saw these women, um, say to me, I have two babies now, I have four babies now, I've been through this, you know, but you'll get through it, was just such a beautiful, inspiring thing. And so I took my time um, and I didn't feel ready right away to try and get pregnant again. Uh, I knew that my husband wanted to and was so devastated as well, but he was so understanding and just obviously gave me all the time I needed to grieve and, and be ready. And then um, about, it was five months later when I really felt ready and I conceived my little boy. And so that's my story. And now he's here and it's, I, I can't believe it sometimes. I still like pinch myself that, but it was so true. So many women said to me, you know, 
it's awful and and I'm so sorry that you have to go through this but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you know they said prayers for me and it was just such a beautiful um, experience so yeah that's that's my story it definitely impacted my pregnancy um, with James I was insanely anxious throughout my pregnancy um, especially going through the milestones Uh, for example when I um, got to the point where I miscarried the first baby I was so terrified. My blood pressure was always so high when I went to the doctor's office. Um, I, I couldn't calm down that first trimester. I just really thought that something was going to go wrong every time. And then after that, I was like, okay, I've got it. I made it through the first trimester. I'm going to be okay. It'll be fine. And I didn't realize, you know, the 20-week scan, I was terrified. And then I just wanted to get to viability. And then I wanted to get to thriveability. And then I just wanted him on the outside. And so through the whole process, um, it I just kept trying to reach these milestones. And if I get here, I'll be okay. And if I get here, I'll be okay. And then I realized, you know, it's it's part of the journey and it's not necessarily the case, but, um, it, it, I, I hope going forward, if I'm lucky enough to have more babies that I'll, um, I'll be able to be a little more relaxed about the process and, and maybe not carry that with me so much. I think, I mean, it's so it's so amazing hearing you and thank you so much for sharing your story because I think that the themes that you're so, you know, eloquently describing of the waiting and the inability to change mm-hmm. what's going on, right? Um, and it just prepares us. This is like all the preparation for, you know, we think that we're going to have a baby and it's almost like our little baby doll. This is our baby doll. This yeah. is our person. Like, this is our, like, our little thing. We're taking like, a lot of cute pictures. We're going to hug it all the time. It's going to be great. But it's its own person. And that person is yeah. going to go. And I know you know this and everybody knows this. But, like, there, I do feel like exactly like you. There was, like, this sort of realization as through having the four kids that I've had and the two miscarriages that I've had, you know, of just this, like, okay, this is, this is part of nature. We're part of something so much bigger, regardless of what you yeah. believe in. It's this whole system that's not benevolent. And sometimes it's mm-hmm. so beautiful and sometimes it's so painful. And we have to yeah. look at the beauty with a certain perspective and we have to look at the pain with a certain perspective and understand that the two are completely interwoven. And if, you know, it wouldn't For hurt sure. so bad if we didn't love, have the, cap- the capability to love so deeply. Absolutely. And I think that now... James is my baby. Like he's the one I was Mm -hmm. meant to have. And and I know so many people say that, but I really believe like he was meant for me. And I so firmly believe that I was meant to have this experience um, so that I could share my story and so that I could hopefully make one other person feel less alone and less isolated. Um, and, And I've really found even, you know, it's been two years now that throughout the whole time, people come up to me and talk about their experiences. And I feel like often I'm the first one someone texts if they're going through that and I can be there for them and they know that I understand. And I feel like sometimes when people keep it to themselves, which is absolutely a person's right to keep what their experiences and their pain to themselves. But sometimes when that happens, you know, it's really difficult to be able to heal. Um, And if you know that someone else has that experience, then you can just relate to them in a way that you, you never thought you could. And there's like a deeper connection and a deeper healing that happens. Um, and so I really do encourage people if they feel ready to talk about it and share, because what you realize is so many people feel the same way. 
Yeah. And you're not crazy and you're not falling into this terrible depression that you'll never get out of. Like it's so normal and you, you do, time does heal and you do recover. And when I was in it, I just felt like there's no way I'll ever be able to recover from this. Yeah. I just won't. I can't. And I even felt guilty. Like, why am I so depressed? This is not normal. And, and what I try to tell people now is I felt all those feelings, but I've, I also got through that. And even before I had my son, I felt joy again. I felt happy again. I, I felt complete again, even though there's like always going to be a part of you that's connected to that loss. I did feel like myself. And so I try and encourage people to remain hopeful and um, not feel like they're the only ones that will ever be going through this because it's just so freaking common. And that's what I didn't realize either. When you got pregnant with James, how did you feel about sharing? Since you shared so openly before, how did you feel about sharing? When did you share? Um, were you nervous? Were you excited? You know, it's funny. I shared early with my friends and family because I knew that the support that I was given throughout my miscarriage was so valuable that I, if something were to go wrong again, I would need that. Yeah. Um, I shared my first pregnancy early too, uh, honestly, and I think that that, something that for me works. Um, I didn't share it publicly until I was about 16 weeks, I think. And not because I didn't want to, I just, because I knew I would probably share again if I had another miscarriage. And I knew that it wasn't because I didn't want people to know. I just, I wasn't sure what I was feeling myself at that time. So until, until I could figure that out, I, I didn't feel comfortable um, sharing it publicly. And then actually I got a phone call um, from my publicist the day before I shared that said like someone's called and they know that you're pregnant. So if you'd like to sort of say it yourself, then it would be the right time to do that. And so, you <laughs> know, it kind that of drive you crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. It was crazy. sad. It has it, happened to yeah. me so many times yeah. and I hate it. It was, it, it was sad because I just felt like, well, I, I, I'm being rushed to do this yeah. thing. And, you know, I was getting different advice from people. Some people were saying, well, don't say anything at all and just let it come out. And then you'd say something when you want to say something. Um, but I felt like this was my story yeah. to tell and I felt like it was my journey to share. And so um, when I did share it, it was just so beautiful. And I, I wanted to be open with people about the anxiety that I felt and how I understood that it was really difficult to read birth announcements when you were going through infertility or miscarriage yourself. That could really freaking hurt. And I learned that firsthand. Um, but I did also want to live in that hopeful, joyful space. And so I felt good after I shared and, and it, for the first kind of week, I still had that anxiety of like, oh my goodness, what if something goes wrong? And I just told everyone, and then I have to tell everyone right away. And people are going to be asking me how the pregnancy is going and this, that, and the other. But then I let go and I just thought, look, I can't control everything. I can't control that. I just have to be honest with myself and my own journey and do what feels right. And you said it best, you know, you, you got so much out of the support that the people around you offered to you the first time around, right? God forbid you were to go through it again. You'd want that. And you'd want that. You'd want them to have been through the entire ride of it with you. I feel like so much of parenting, so much of adulthood is learning how to ride the wave without like going to the peaks and the valleys, but really like figuring out how to modulate it a little bit better like this. And, um, 
And I think what I what I learn every day is that the less I judge my emotions or like my personal response to things or how unnerved I feel by not controlling every situation, the easier time I have of being more like this and not like not like the. You know, it's so funny because my therapist tells me that every week. Really? Like, try not to judge yourself because that's the hardest space to live in. If you, I should be doing this. I, I should be, be I should this. be, totally. I, I, why am I feeling this way when I should be something else? It's just, it's not helpful any in any space. It just never helps to judge yourself. So that's something that I really work on. And it's interesting that you try and do that too, because I think it helps more than anything to just try and be a little more even keeled about it. And n- nothing's ever really as good as it seems and nothing's ever as bad as it seems. It's always in the middle. <laughs> right, it's never, it's never as good as your good press or as bad as your bad press. It's always somewhere right, in the exactly. middle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So now that you have an almost one year old and, you know, you're you're I, mm-hmm. I know you you probably dive back into work pretty early on. too. Like, how do you how are you approaching being Claire pre kids, Claire post post son, Claire as a working mom? Like, what's that been like for you? It's been an insanely difficult transition for me, not in the sense that, um, you know, I've I've faced a ton of roadblocks, but more because I've had to rediscover myself and I've had to learn a new version of myself and I've had to realize that of course I'm going to feel differently and I don't need to feel bad for I don't want to say missing because that's not the same way but but yearning a little bit for my old experiences like I really had this wonderful life and I traveled all the time and I worked wherever I wanted to work and I didn't have to think of of my family and I would never change any of that ever like this it's the greatest thing to ever happen to me to have the family that I have but it's different and I have to make my own sacrifices and and it's been difficult for me navigating the entrance back into work because um with my career obviously like sometimes a television show could take you away for nine months to Albuquerque or Montreal or somewhere and I you know in in the past that wouldn't have necessarily been a problem but now I I don't necessarily want to uproot my family and or do long distance with my husband for months and months at a time like it's really difficult so um, I've definitely realized that I have to be more selective about stuff and that you know maybe I won't have the career that I had always dreamed of many years ago um, because I just can't do everything that I want to do. And that's okay too. And there's going to be a new version of myself that I find. And maybe it's that I do some projects, smaller projects, and I get to still feel creatively fulfilled. But then, you know, I get to be with my family and I get to take six months off and um, do, you know, spend time being a mum. And so it's, I don't want to sugarcoat it and say that it's been easy or that I have it figured out because I really don't and I still struggle with it and it's something that I'm actively working on each day and it's something that I'm trying not to judge myself for um, how I feel about it and trying not to judge myself for feeling like I do want to go to work and I do love what I do and I don't necessarily want to be a full-time mum all the time I love it and it's amazing but there's other parts of myself that I love too and I I really like acting and I really like connecting with people and and so that's it's it's been tough and I really I just don't have a figured out yet and any advice is welcome <laughs> because one of our most common topics it's all the, we talk about pretty much because it's impossible right it's so hard to know like is this trade-off worth it or is that trade-off worth it you know what do right. I what do I really make and make um you know make happen and what can I sort of let slide and not feel like I'm I'm not doing what I want to do in my life um 
And I, I'm curious, have you found like your crew of moms yet? Have you found, cause you said your siblings don't have kids yet. And you're kind of in your friend group, one of the only ones. I have a, a really small network of people. Um, and a few of them who had careers or have careers that they really love and, um, want to continue. And it's helpful to talk to them and connect with them because again, I feel like I'm not alone and it's okay to say, Hey, I really miss my job. And you know, I miss having no responsibility and being able to take whatever comes up and going to do it and then going on a vacation after. And that was that, <laughs> you know, but, um, I realized like what's come from having a family so much deeper than some of those experiences. And so I'm, but I, I, I really do let myself feel it. And my friends do as well. The ones who have the same experience, like we don't shy away from saying this sucks. And that's the thing that I try and do with all of motherhood. And what I try, I, I try to be vulnerable and open on my social media about, you know, I don't want someone sitting there in some other part of the country to think that everything is perfect and that I'm obsessed with my cute baby, which I am, and that I don't have any issues. Like I have so many that I'm facing on a daily basis. And so I try and say like, there are parts of motherhood that I find really shitty and hard and I don't feel prepared for them. And I haven't figured it out yet. And there are things like breastfeeding and, um, you know, going back to work and not in dealing with my anxiety and all those things that were really difficult for me. And I'm, it's, I feel such a sense of responsibility to share that with people. Um, so that if they don't have their community or they don't have a network or they don't have their moms, they at least can see that someone else feels the same way. I a thousand percent agree. And I think it's so, um, I, I like struggle with how much of the, not, not just negative, but how much of like the challenges to share because I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but at the same time, it's like, but For these sure. are so real and these are so much a part For of sure. everyone's journey in motherhood. Like I, I, and I want to, I want to be authentic and real in that. But at the same time, I'm always like, ah, I don't know, you know, I, well, whatever. I freak out too. You know what I, I do all the time because I'm like, if I say this, it's going to get misinterpreted and then someone's going to have something to say about uh, it. And then I'm going to feel guilty. And I really, I was just trying to help people. And maybe I should just not say anything. But then I realized like if someone is is that theater that they sit on their computer and spit hate at someone or or spew negativity, that's their issue. That's not about me. And if I'm helping someone who really does need the help, I don't give a shit. It's so much better. I just so much don't. Worth it. Excuse my language. But I just don't. It doesn't. I, I can't understand. the. And, you know, I do feel sorry for those people who comment negative things and the mom shamers and the ones who like, your kid's not buckled up right or why are you feeding that? Like I've learned never, <laughs> ever post a photo of your kid in the car seat. <laughs> Literally ever. You'll never do it. You'll right. never win. Even if the manufacturer <laughs> came and buckled your child <laughs> in, there's going to be somebody saying, I said to my husband as well, because he so thinks true. like when we're in like, I'm always driving and he's like, so we'll take like pictures of them saying stuff. I'm like, don't you dare post that. That's like the one thing I can't handle is the, the seatbelt so thing. True. I so try true. so hard, oh. never get it right. Four kids and never get it right. I don't think I do either, to be fair. It's like, it's a Mensa puzzle also. I, there's, it's, it's an impossible, an impossible win. Um, how we like to talk a little bit, uh, also about relationships and like how you keep yeah. your marriage alive and how you keep that, that part of your life romance alive. Like, how do you, how has your relationship with your husband evolved? How do you guys feel like you really make priorities of each other given that you're now a party of three? So it's interesting because before we had James, I had heard about this pre-baby counseling session that we could do, like a, you know, prepare your marriage oh. session. And I pitched it to my husband and 
lovely guy was totally willing and game to go and do it. So um, we went to this like two hour little workshop thing and we left and we were like, it's not going to be us. There's no way. There's just no way because the, the therapist was saying, you know, you know it's, it can be a catastrophic event on your marriage. It can be disastrous. It's akin to sometimes death and divorce in, in terms of how it wow. shakes things up and blah, blah. And we were just you know, like, you're crazy, lady. There's no way. We are so good. Like, we're thrilled to be having this baby. And both of us want it. We're going to share the load and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, we had our son and it was a catastrophic <laughs> event. <laughs> and, and, you know, not in the sense that, that we were arguing all the time, but we had to figure out this new little person, figure out each other as new parents. And it was so difficult for us because we had spent so much time together and we really felt so connected before we had James and we went on date nights all the time and we had time to do that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden there's this little person that needs you constantly and you don't necessarily have as much time for each other. So it was, it was tough for us. It really was in the sense that we would lie in bed next to each other, but we missed each other. Yeah. And um, one of the things that the therapist suggested to us was that you make 10 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever you want it to be a night where you lie in bed, no phones, nothing. And you just talk about your day and you don't necessarily talk about your baby, but you just talk about, anything just to have that connection and it's non-negotiable and that really helped us because you know even when we were exhausted and just wanted to go straight to sleep we like made sure that we would just connect in that way and it's definitely been a work in progress and I'm not shy to to admit that I have help and I have people around that can care for James so that we can spend time together and we've been away together and we took a trip away for our anniversary and you know as much as part of me feels like I should be doing this all myself, which I don't know why it seems crazy to feel that way, but I do. Um, I definitely know that it's so important for my marriage that we have time for each other and that we're not just with our baby 24 seven and unable to go on dates and connect and talk about things other than James. Um, I just think it's so important for a marriage. So it really was helpful to have that session, even though I thought that it was crazy and there was no way that we would need it. We did. And I'm very open about that too. Like it can be really tough on your marriage and it certainly was hard for us to figure out this new version of ourselves, but we're working on it. We're trying. <laughs> I, that's all you can do for somebody. Because yeah. <laughs> it is, it's so funny. You're like, not me, not us, not us, not no, this marriage. Like no. we're good. We're so good. But it is, it rocks you. And you know, if your marriage is in a good place to start with, it takes you down to such a vulnerable spot that it one of the most unanticipated benefits of having kids for me, I talk about this is like the the new depths of love I found even for my husband because you're in for this sure. place together where you're so raw and like you, you you can't, there's no falsehoods anymore. You can't like, you're not going to put Mm-mm. your best face forward all the time. You're, fr- you're exhausted. No. You are, you're neurotic. You're like ang- anxious about everything. And they love you through that and they help you through that. Totally. And it, then you're even, even more. when you're postpartum belly and your boobs oh, are God. hanging out and oh, like walking around topless, like everything leaking. Why is that? My hair too. Why, why are we most our like nudist community selves when we're like, just like <laughs> leaking and sagging? I, 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 I just want to make sure if I've they really love us or not. 
It's like a true test. Do you love me through this beautiful uh, thing that's happening course, right now? Part of me was also like I had my legs spread on a table in front of that's right. God knows how many people. Like modesty's gone. Yeah. There's no such thing as that for me anymore. So you do feel get a little bit like a liberated like fertility goddess after that though also because yes, like any totally. crudeness that you used to have or like, you know, refinement <laughs> just a little they bit asked out if, the window. They asked if I wanted a mirror and I was like, get that away from me. <laughs> Right now. Yeah, I yeah. also had this whole idea. Never. I like had a conversation with Alec. I was like, you can be there, but your eyes are here. Okay. Church and state. Stay up here. Here. And then I realized, Which one's like, the church, Hilaria? They hear, of course. <laughs> and as I, as I like am in like happy baby for you guys who know yoga or have had, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. a child, I realized also being somebody who's like, um, maybe maybe five foot three on my like good day. Like there's not a lot of separation between church and state. I'm like, Shit, and at this plan, but like, I just didn't really know what was going on. So I have in my right. head, I was like, no videotaping, no photos, no mirrors. And so in my head, it was like a really beautiful experience. Beautiful. <laughs> and I will never know. And I'm like, Alec, you may not tell me what happened down there. And then somehow you see this baby like appear and you're like, and that was it. And that is it. Now everybody can focus. Did on he me. keep the eye contact no, or did he, did he go not. down? No, he watched those babies come out, every single one of them. And he like, it describes that. He's like, it was like an alien. I was like, okay, stop. Oh and he's like, gosh. and it just wouldn't stop coming out. I'm like, enough, enough, uh, enough, enough. So true. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on. We do ask you what your favorite thing is. My favorite thing right now is magnetic onesies. Oh, yes, we love those. <laughs> I can't oh. live without yes. them. I know it's so a baby efficient. thing, but it's literally cha- like it's so. My, right now, when I bath him at the end of the night, he's like an alligator. Like all he wants to do is roll, 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 <laughs> and I can like Houdini him in this onesie in five seconds, and it's really saves me a lot of time. And then I could go and relax and watch my TV when he's in bed. So I uh, that my magnetic onesie is my. My favorite thing. Love that. Magnetic Me is the brand that I use. Love that. Perfect. Love that. And where can people follow you or find out more about you? Uh, so you can follow me on Instagram at, at Claire Holt and Twitter is the same, although I don't really tweet that much. Well, thank you thank so you much. So it was so much. fun to talk with you. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to you guys. Thank you for your time. Silly mommy. All right, guys, that was Claire. You know, I mean, we we love our experts when they come on, but we also love our like mom conversations. And I I love her because she's so fine with being just as she is and sort of like, this is who I am and this is my journey and I'm trying my best. And and that's really all that we can do. And just to have somebody come out there and be like, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have it all figured out. I am trying and I'm doing my very best, but there is going to be uncertainty. And, um, and I love that she talks openly about going to therapy. I go to therapy every single week too. And it's, it's something that I got reconnected to after I had my, my um, most recent miscarriage. I used to do therapy a long time ago. And I just think it's it's wonderful that we are so lucky to be in a time where we can talk about these things. And one thing you pointed out to me, which I think is so accurate, um, is when you're in therapy or you've or you've spoken to someone who's professional or maybe just really smart, like, you know, your mom or something, you and you can put to words your emotional state. It really does help 
and not only for you to cope it and, and help you sort of like, you know, work through it in your own way, but it, it you know definitely helps you communicate about it. It mm-hmm. was really very powerful to hear her talk about, um, you know, everything that she's been through. And and I know so many people have um, have have, you know, gleaned things from from her experience and, and applied it to their own lives. I love, love, love our expert conversations. They learn so much. I take notes. I'm like all about them. But I feel like our community is also made so strong by the fact that we get to have these really candid, universal conversations about motherhood with women from all walks of life. So really happy that we got to have Claire on Mom Bring today. Let's do some favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite things. Yes. My favorite thing this week is, you know, as we're, we've been talking about fertility journeys, um, after I had my, my miscarriage in the fall, I was given a necklace um, that's called Seated Hope, um, which is a necklace given to women who have suffered a loss. Um, it's a little gold necklace and it has glass and the pendant. And then inside the glass is a little forget-me-not seed. Um, and this little poem comes with it. It says, From the start you felt them there, you dreamt of what life would be. You said goodbye before hello. (laughs) I can't even like look at you listening. It makes me so sad. You said goodbye before hello from the womb to eternity. A life so small but never forgotten, your baby will always be loved, woven in and part of your family. Me who never cries. Here we go. Becoming a big cry. Let me try the last one. Um, Your baby will always be loved, woven in and a part of your family. And it was something that was, it was so unexpected and so welcome in, in my, in my period of, of, uh, of deep grief. And, um, and the other thing that I found uh, that I found that was really special about it is that forget me not flower is my favorite flower. Um, and I just love that, you know, there was this, as much as we're kind of taught to put these things behind us and not process it. And I feel very lucky that I experienced a miscarriage. Doesn't that sound strange? I feel very lucky that I experienced a miscarriage at a time when we're talking about things more and when that's more acceptable because it definitely was something that's really hard. And, um, and you know, everybody helped me through being able to process it and talk about it. But I just thought, you know, if you know somebody who has has suffered, um, which we all do, I thought it was a really just lovely gift. And yes, it made me cry, but it also gave me this idea of, you know, it is forget me not. I won't forget you. <laughs> I promise I'll laugh soon. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's have a whole episode of crying. Oh my gosh. Um, I think that my favorite thing is uh under eye concealer. Um, but I think that it's valuable for a oh, we number, love under eye concealer, especially, <laughs> especially when you've when been, you've been crying. crying. Like, Definitely crying need the under eye concealer. Or just generally want to put your best face forward, especially, you know, if you're look you're trying to feel strong for yourself. Um Anyway, we feel I, you know, I, I feel like I talk about makeup a good bit on this show, and part of it's because I do think that women deserve to feel really good, and that we do need to look for um, highlights and joy spots and the things that um, that lift us up and let us put our best faces forward. And I think that makeup is one of the easy ways to do that. Um, and I just personally enjoy playing with it. And, think it's fun and glam and, um, and, and just something I enjoy. So anyway, I try out a lot of products and this was one that, um, 
that we got, you know, we I've I've used Kosas a number uh, a number of their products, I should say, for years, and I really really like um, a couple different ones. There specifically the highlighter palette that I use, um, the Tropic Equinox. I talk about all the time because I just think it gives such a beautiful, healthy like sunlit from within glow. But um, they sent over their new. It's called their Super Creamy and Brightening Concealer, and I have to tell you, I. I like held Is on it to the- super creamy and brightening, super creamy, super hydrating. But most importantly, give this like insane coverage that still looks still looks like your natural skin tone. It still looks like you can still get, you know, the, the pretty different colorations and things coming through if you have freckles and things like that. But really good gives great buildable coverage if you have, you know, deep under eye dark circles that you want to obliterate or, you know, discoloration or whatever. So anyway, just something good to have in your in your arsenal. Um, Big fan of all things Kosas. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends, email us mombrainpod at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram. And and thank you so much for being part of our community. We'll talk to you next week. I'm going to say one last thing, which is that I think having, uh, if you if you have someone in your life who you think, you know, or if you don't, just a random stranger who you think could use just like, an outstretch of kindness or love or friendliness. I think that something I always learn from you is the value of community and the value of like good supportive friends and people who really lift you up when you are feeling down and um, the way the concealer does. <laughs> concealer and necklaces. But I, yeah, but I just think that that's, uh, we forget about it so much and we think, we think humans are robots and we're not, you know, so. 100%. <laughs> Daphne and I cried a lot today. I oh All right. Bye guys. Talk bye. to you next week. This is MomBrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. MomBrain is a Gallery Media Group original production.